1: Welcome into the latest episode of the 5 Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick, not with Chris Whittingham this week. He's over in uh, jolly old England uh, drinking. I would say he's drinking pints, but he's probably drinking cider uh, and watching soccer. So he'll be back with me next week. Make sure you check out the other two episodes that we've posted this week. We had two good ones. We, we did our first six weeks of Wade episode with Quentin Richardson Uh, He joined us for a full hour telling stories about his days with Dwayne all the way back to Chicago and then playing with them with the heat and their continuing relationship. We'll have Karan Butler on for that next week. That's our plan. And we also had Derek Jones jr. Yesterday, Alphonse Sidney and I interviewed the guy that they call airplane mode. So check out that episode as well. Find out who he's got a bet with this year and what it's, About. Also, check out the other 14 podcasts in our network, Miami Heat Beat, for sure. Three Yards Per Carry, Chamber Podcast, Smart Your Territory, and everything else we offer. And we do have a website that's launching on March 18th, which you can find more about on At 5 Reasons Sports. All right, we're going to go back to the NBA today. We've been very NBA-heavy. Chris leaves, and he leaves it to me, and I end up doing all NBA episodes. But today, it's going to be a longtime friend of mine, one of the best people in the business and I, I, not just as a as a writer, but also as a person, um, sort of universally beloved in the in the media industry down here or or across the country. And it's Jeff Zilgit from USA Today. Jeff, thanks for joining me today.
2: Hey, no problem, Ethan. How are you doing? We're doing well, um, or
1: I'm doing well. Um, the Lakers are not doing well. I want to start there with you. Yeah. You know, We'll certainly get into some heat conversation because we always do that here on the pod. But, I mean, the big story in the NBA, I, I just put up a poll, Jeff. I said, what's the biggest surprise in the NBA this season? And there have been so many that it was hard to narrow it to four. But the four that I came up with were the Celtics' struggles, the Pacers' continuing strong play without Oladipo, Denver and Milwaukee playing at the level that they've played at, and then the Lakers' complete collapse. Um, you've been covering LeBron for a long time. I was with you quite a bit up in Cleveland uh, when he was there. He, you obviously covered him some in Miami. I know you followed the story pretty closely. What's happened?
2: I go back, Ethan, and, and I'm going to go to the very start of this in free agency and right after LeBron's agency, Clutch Sports, you know, put out the announcement that he would sign a four-year deal with the Lakers. I was not, and this, isn't not a, uh, this is almost a universal belief as well. The roster construction w- was not pretty at the time. And, and I understood that, that there were reasons for it, but there are a lot of guys on one-year deals. The JaVale McGee's, the Lance Stevenson's, the Rajon Rondo's, the Michael Beasley's of the world, the Contavious Caldwell Pope's. And also, Ethan, you've seen it from all the time in Miami and all the time in Cleveland. The one thing LeBron really flourishes with is when he has shooters on the court with him. And I, I don't, you know, if you want to go from, you know, Mike Miller to Sh- Shane Battier to Ray Allen to even having Chris Bosh extend the court to some of the Cleveland days when you either had a Channing Fry, a, a, even James Jones, but then obviously Kyle Korver. At times, Kyrie could shoot threes, and, and they were just missing that. And I look today, Ethan, they're 29th. The Lakers are in three-point shooting, mm-hmm. and, and that—that's just not right off the bat. That's not a recipe. But I also go back to I understood it. I, I maybe at the end of July, beginning of August, uh, I was in the Cleveland Akron area. and and talking to some people, uh, you you know, close to LeBron, and I sort of even wondered if this year was going to be a lost season for the Lakers to some degree, that it was really about years two, three, and four of LeBron's contract with the Lakers that really mattered. And yet, you know, they got off to a little bit of a shaky start or or not knowing, but then by Christmas, Ethan, I I totally changed that, you know, they were in fourth place in the West, and I thought, heck, this team could give it a go And maybe some of these young guys could get some experience. And I also thought that it was also figuring out which young guys were part of the future and which ones were not. And then let's just start. I think LeBron's injury, Ethan, really crushed the Lakers. I know he missed 18 of 19, but in the 17 in a row that he missed, Mm -hmm. I believe that they were six and 11 uh, and they just really fell apart. And then you throw in Lonzo Ball's injury and they they just haven't been able to find it uh, since that point. I know that's sort of a long winded answer. I think there's other layers to this and we'll probably get into them.
1: Yeah. A couple of things on that. Uh, One of the amazing stats from the big three era, to me was that LeBron missed only 18 games and, and the heat were nine and nine in those games he missed. And then since he's gone to the other two places, when he doesn't play, the team has no chance. We saw it in Cleveland uh, where, you know, they, they were abominable. I mean, they were actually better. The Lakers were better this year without him. Than the Cavs were without him, which is a little surprising considering the Cavs had, you know, either or both of Kyrie and Kevin Love during that time. But you, yep. you mentioned the shooting point and I want to go back to that because I fought with a lot of people on Twitter about this. Uh, When when they had the signings, there were Laker fans all over there telling me, well, you know, second half, uh, you don't know what you're talking about because that was my concern, the shooting. And I know they kept talking about, well, we're bringing in all these ball handlers so that LeBron doesn't have to handle that. But LeBron's history is he always ends up handling that. Like, it doesn't matter if he has Kyrie or anybody else. He wants to handle the ball. So bringing in secondary playmakers – uh, who are, who you want to be primary playmakers when you've already got, you know, Rondo and ball, who the ball is going to be in their hands a lot when they're healthy. And now you're adding a Stevenson and you're adding a, a KCP and all, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me at the time. And, but what Laker fans were saying was, well, it'll be fine because you don't, you did not watch this team last year. And in the second half of last season, Kuzma shot, whatever it was, 41, 42% from food. right. yeah. Ingram shot, you know, close to 40% and Hart shot close to 40%. So they're like, you don't know what you're looking at the totality of it, but you're not looking at the second half of the season. But think of how bad Jeff, the shooting has to be for a team with LeBron James on it, who draws that kind of attention to be 29th in the league, at three point shooting. Like, that's almost. I mean, LeBron made in Miami and in Cleveland to a degree. Not a Kyle Korver, but some of the other guys like made like very average three-point shooters look like really good three-point shooters because of how much of course it attracts. For them to be 29th, I mean, I, that's malpractice. Like in terms of what uh, what Palinka and Magic put together, like that that just can't happen. And their whole blueprint on that needs to change this off season.
2: It, it does, Ethan. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say that there were there were Kyle Corver's and Channing fries uh, on the market this summer because that, that wasn't the case, okay? But they didn't need some – shooting on that squad and you know if I have to go back and look at who are free agents and who are not but that's definitely and that's the other reason too where I sort of thought it was and I use the word lost season sort of loosely but again given that Golden State was still going to be the dominant team in the West and look I know everyone's raving about Houston right now and OKC's had a 5 season, and you mentioned what Denver has done. So, look, I understand there's no guarantee, but, but look how far behind the Lakers are among all those teams. I, like, you know, I, I, even at the beginning of the season, and, and I know there were some people out there who wondered even if they could make the playoffs. I thought they should be able to, uh, and, and I know lots of things happened. But but look at all the teams that, all right, De- Denver's had the majors uh, uptick. You look at what San Antonio is doing. Greg Popovich is always going to have that team in the running. Utah had a tough start to the season schedule-wise, but they're a really good team. OKC has, like, I look at all those five, six, seven teams, and even before the season started, I wondered who the Lakers were better than among that group, uh, given their roster construction. So some of this doesn't surprise me. And again, I will acknowledge that, you know, when they sat there in fourth place on Christmas Day after beating Golden State, that I thought, okay, You know, this team gets into the playoffs, they, you know, potentially win a round, which would be, I always feel this too, Ethan, that it's always great for a young group who has never been to the playoffs, have some playoff success. Mm -hmm. And and Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, it would have been great for those guys to get into the playoffs, see what it was about. Uh, even if they lost in the first round, I think it would have been fine too just to see that. Uh, but again, I, I think the injuries have been devastating. And, and then there just seems to be no cohesion either right. since the All Star break. Uh, it, you know, I, I don't know if guys have, you know, checked out. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, I think it's a collective problem. Uh, from the front office to the coaching staff to the guys I uh, record.
1: Yeah, and a, a couple. There's like three other things I want to get to on this before we move on to some other teams. But I mean, one of the things I mean, we talk about the teams that we didn't know if they were better than. I mean, when I said before the year that I thought Denver was better than them, the reaction to that, like that, I got on social media was <laughs> right. Like, who, who, the Nuggets? And I'm like, no, they're better. They're better. And, and the thing is, the Nuggets haven't even been healthy. Like, if, I mean, they've, they've had guys in and out. Oh, geez. They've had
2: them, tons of guys. Out tons of there.
1: injuries. They never really got Isaiah back. They, you know, all, all, you, know you, you look at Barton. Everybody that they've lost this year, Millsap was out for a period of time. Gary Harris missed some games, I believe, uh, it, as well. Yeah, and, and, but the casuals, I think, Jeff, like, I mean, don't really know who Will Barton and Gary Harris are, right? Like, it's, right. it's, it's, it's yep. different than, than putting the team together that the Lakers were. But, but three quick things on this uh before we move on to two other teams um was the lakers young core overrated because we've had this debate down here in miami because when we were talking about okay you know what what would a package look like for anthony davis from say the heat right and so there's always this talk about boston's young core which has had its ups and downs we're going to talk about and the lakers young core not as much about sort of the miami's young core of, of winslow out and and richardson and and i guess derrick jones jr have been thrown into that now too um but was the Laker young core overrated? Because to me, the, the best player the Lakers have drafted the past few years is playing in Brooklyn. Um, so, so, so right. So, so what, what? What? about? I mean, to clear out cap, basically, like yeah. So,
2: and Ethan, you could make the argument too that one of their other better players, Julius Randle, was played for the Pelicans. Yes,
1: right, right. So those were the two. Okay, so that, that's, a, that's malpractice also because those are the two guys that were deemed expendable, not just by the front office but by the fan base, like if you, the Laker fan base was kind of out on D'Angelo because everything that happened is rookie year. And, and then Julius Randall was like, okay, he's a nice player, but he's never going to be great. I love the contract New Orleans signed with him. I think he's, you know, can be a really effective player if he's used properly. You're right. I I mean, Randall and Russell look better to me than Kuzma ball, Hart, and Ingram right now. Did we, did we
2: overrate their core? It's a great question, and I always hate this because I, I'm not. There's no way I'm giving up on any of those guys, especially Ingram and, and Ball, and, and I think Kuzma is going to be a really good shooter uh, eventually. But they're so young in their careers, Ethan, and, and I think that's part of the problem: is that we we haven't been able to see them fully developed. That I, I think we were putting, you know, it, it talked about overrating. We were probably putting ratings on them three, four. Years, maybe even five years into their careers, you know, not just a couple years into their careers. And so I think we were really looking at potential more than anything. And, and that's where you get to, uh, we, we all get into problems with this. How, you know, I, I always, I hate this exercise, Ethan. I understand that uh, yeah, people love to read it. it. It's one of the reasons I hate grading the night of the draft and giving some team a, a grade for a guy who's never stepped foot in an NBA game and thinking this is the way it's going to be. Mm -hmm. I understand that kind of stuff is popular. Uh, I also hate grading trades. I mean, the the Indiana, Oklahoma City, Paul George, Victor Oladipo, DeMantis, Sabonis trade is a great one. We crushed Indiana at the time. And it's probably one of those cases. It doesn't always work out like this, that both sides did really, really well. But going back to the point, I I just think we were rating that that young Lakers core on potential uh, rather than actually performance. And, And that's why... We look at it and feel that they haven't lived up to expectations quite yet.
1: All right. So let me throw this question at you. You got to choose one. Is not making the playoffs worse for the NBA in terms of what interest is going to be in this particular postseason or worse for LeBron's legacy? You got to choose one.
2: I think it's worse for the NBA. Uh, I always feel that time uh, has a way of, of soothing the edges, i have mean, especially if it years two, three, or four, and at this case, maybe we were looking at years three and four. He gets the Lakers to the finals. Uh, They even win a championship. No one's going to care about year one uh, of not making the playoffs uh, when it comes to his legacy. But when it comes to TV ratings and interest, I do think it's going to have an impact. Now, personally, Ethan, I would rather see a team like Sacramento mm-hmm. in the playoffs that you know is pushing for something than a team than the Lakers are right now. That you know looks like they're just sort of playing out the season. And I would even go as far as to say. I would rather see the Clippers, and that's just a personal thing than a Lakers team that, you know, it not going anywhere. But I do think when it comes to interest, LeBron in the playoffs is definitely better for the NBA than LeBron not in the playoffs, and when it comes – I think that's the same when it comes to his legacy. Unless these four years turn into a complete disaster for LeBron, I don't think this one season is going to have any kind of impact.
1: I think a lot of casual fans are going to sort of look at the playoff uh, listings, <laughs> the ones who haven't been following closely. They're going to look at it like in mid-April and be okay, wait, what team's LeBron on again? Like which of these 16 teams? And wait, the other team in Los Angeles, the one that just traded its best player. Yes. Uh, is better than that, but they are clearly better. I mean, to me, Doc, I mean, it, to me it's Doc or Nate McMillan is your coach of the year this year. You can make a case for Bud also for sure. But like, I mean, Doc's done an incredible job with, with what he has. But, yeah, I I do think for the casuals, I, I don't think it's getting enough attention um, how traumatic this is going to be for the NBA this postseason because even if you just had LeBron for a round, like if you got him in the Golden State, because I think a lot of people are bored of Golden State. Um, there's no association yet with teams like Milwaukee or Denver. The, the teams that, you know, a Philadelphia is still figuring it out. Boston has been kind of a combustible mess, except for last night. Right, And so it, it's kind of – you know, I don't know who people are rooting for and against. Like it's like when you don't have, you know, the years you don't have the Yankees in the postseason. Like if you don't have LeBron in the postseason, who's everybody taking a side on? Like. Giannis is not polarizing Kawhi he should be polarizing after what he pulled last year but he's not right like he's just so quiet he's quiet he doesn't say anything so you know these and the other guys that are in there okay Curry but they're on the same team like Curry and Durant. you know Harden I guess you know people take a position on Harden it's more of a style of play than it is over personality but I, I just I don't know like I think from from a to me, this, for a basketball junkie's perspective, it's going to be a fantastic postseason. Like, cause I can't remember when you've had so many teams that have a shot. At least, if if Golden State trips up. I, th- I count seven teams that I think have a shot. And, and in the East alone, I, the second round of the playoffs, which have typically been a, a sleepwalk because it's just waiting for who LeBron's going to torture in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now you've got four compelling teams for different reasons, and I'm not even including what Indiana's doing. And so I think from a basketball junkies perspective, it's going to be the best postseason in a long time. But I think what the NBA really cares about is in the postseason is the casuals and bringing them in with with storylines and personalities. I mean, what, I guess, Jeff, what are they going to get
2: excited about if
1: there's no LeBron?
2: I I guess they're going to have to get excited uh, about the Western conference matchups in in the semifinals. Can you get, uh, you know, Golden State versus Houston in the second round or Golden State versus Oklahoma City and Denver, Houston, and, and try to build up on, you know, look, using Harden, Durant, Curry, Draymond, Clay, uh, Jokic, Westbrook, Paul George, like those are going to have to be the personalities, and and again, you make great points that, you you know, there's not the polarizing character, I guess Golden State has the potential to be a little polarizing with the Durant situation, but look, look at You mentioned Harden stylistically. That's what people complain about. It it has nothing to do with his personality. It's not like Houston has a bunch of drama or anything. And and then I look over at the East, Ethan, when it comes to this idea of what's going to draw on the fan. You know, to me, and this goes back to probably our 80s old school roots, is Philly Boston. You know, I I love Giannis. And and I also agree with you that, like, there's going to be some really fun playoff games and fun series, but Boston Philly, you know, you have Embiid, you have Jimmy Butler. Uh, They just traded for Tobias Harris. You know, the Ben Simmons situation, there seems to be a little drama around Philadelphia and I I know it sounds like we're going to get into Boston there's obviously some drama right there. And, and so that that's the kind of thing I think the NBA is going to have to rely on uh, to, to pull some of that casual fan in uh, to get the kind of ratings that the networks want. Hello,
3: friends. This is Josh Appel from Smark Your Territory. And I'm Mr. Bill Eleven. And we are officially on the road to WrestleMania. It is point at the WrestleMania sign season, Bill. If, if you need to get to WrestleMania, we can be your Uber drivers on the road to WrestleMania. I mean, why, you ruined it. You, you ruined it. I i like it. I think we could make some money doing that. WrestleMania season is here. Stick with us here on Smark Your Territory, the Five Reasons Sports Network's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is the Five Reasons Sports Network, Miami sports on demand. We now have 15 podcasts in the network covering every professional sports team in South Florida and much more. All absolutely free. You can find all of our shows on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Podbean. If you just can't get enough, become a member of our patron feed and you'll get even more exclusive content, including post-game analysis. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Don't abandon your team's coverage just because they missed the playoffs. Tune in and stay informed with all of the latest coaching changes and free agency rumors. Here's what you missed on the last episode of 3 Yards Per Carry. But I think if you can get Alvin (laughs) Kamar... And I think they've kind of gone away. What are you laughing at? (laughs) I'm watching watching the Adam Gay's taco video. Oh, it's hilarious, isn't it? It's hilarious. The moving taco is brilliant, isn't it? I'm glad I'm keeping you so, I mean... You know, you're, just watching a, you're just watching a floating taco instead of listening to it. If you're interested in advertising your business on our network, reach out to us at number 5 sports on Twitter. To stay up to date with all of our shows, enter five reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe.
1: Yeah, sorry. So let's go to Boston Philly because I I mean, I I think, you know, I'm sort of rooting for Indiana to stay perched at three. So so we get Boston Philly in the first round because I I think that I mean, that becomes the dominant series. So uh, let's look at their sort of strengths and issues. Independently, um, so in Philadelphia's case, uh, you know, sometimes I watch Jimmy with them and he looks great, and sometimes uh, he looks like a bad fit. It just sort of depends on the night. Um, and I mean, Tobias has been really good. Embiid, I, you know, again, it's an issue of if he's going to stay on the floor. Uh, yep. w- when you look at their situation and in integrating all these pieces, which may just be for another six to eight weeks, actually, uh, yep. like how how does it fit? How do they? Because you have Redick having arguably his best season. Yep. You know, along with the other four guys, so their starting five is the best in basketball right now. I think. I mean, I get, I know people can make the case for Golden State, but I. Th- I think there's, and certainly you can make that case. But I. But I think. I think you can make a case that Philadelphia is
2: comparable. What? How do they make it work? It's a great question, and I really do think some of this centers around Jimmy Butler and how much he's willing to sometimes play. And not only, you know, a second scoring role, but sometimes a third or a fourth scoring role on that team. Uh, And and if he's willing to do that, I think it's a really good fit. I know he had a really good fourth quarter uh, the other night uh, in a victory. And so, you know, it it worked out well for him, but he still only had 14 points uh, at the finish of that game. I I sometimes wonder, you know, how much is Jimmy thinking about his next deal? And does he need points to get his next deal? And if he doesn't feel he needs points to get his next deal, and I do believe, just real quick on this front.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: I, I do believe Philly is invested in trying to re both Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler in the off season. So, but I also understand, if you want to look at it, that Tobias Harris was insurance in case Jimmy Butler went elsewhere right. uh, as well. So I get that point. But if Jimmy's willing to play the role where, hey, he's not going to be ball dominant, there are going to be some stretches of the offense where he doesn't get the ball or it's going to go to Embiid. It's going to go to Reddick. Uh, Tobias is going to get play calls. And then there are sometimes, uh, again, we all, you know, not gonna sit here and belabor his lack of an outside shot. But for having a lack of an outside shot, Ben Simmons can still get to the bucket. He, he's got that little running hook, uh, you know, and he's still a triple double threat uh, one way or the other. Uh, despite not being able to shoot the long ball. And and so if Jimmy's willing and is focused on the defensive end, you know, I really like what Philadelphia can do. But there's lots of ifs and contingencies when we're talking about that.
1: All right, so let's look at Boston then because you know, I watched that team last night and that just doesn't look like the same team we've seen the last month and I I know I know, I know Kyrie attributed, you know, obviously Golden State's banged up and uh you know, I know Kyrie attributed it to the long flight and we needed to get away and everything. I mean, I, I I know you and I have had conversations about Kyrie in the past because we, we I mean, we were both up there, you know, for LeBron's first year in Cleveland and uh, you know, Kyrie's act with me kind of wears thin. I know you've had better you know, interactions with him. So it, it kind of, uh, you know, again, I think, I think his personality could be sort of all over the place to me. Like some, some days he's really engaging and some days he's dour. And so, you don't. and, and I think sometimes his teams take on that personality, but like, how do they make it work? Because I mean, we're not expecting Gordon Hayward to go for 30 every game. Like I, that's not going to happen. And I don't, I don't get the sense that Brad Stevens knows what he's going to get from other guys. Like, I, I feel like he kind of knows what he's getting from Kyrie at this point. But, like, who who's going to be the second guy on a given night? And there's just no consistency with that this year. So how do they make it work?
2: Well, if you want a second guy, it should probably be Jason Tatum. And, uh, and I think he had a pretty decent game last night. Uh, Al Horford is really, really good at what he does. I've always – you know, he, he, he's not a fit for the All-Star game based on his style. Uh, but whenever he makes the All-Star team, it, it, it's deserving because – of uh, being a two-way player, he can facilitate, uh, has you know learned to step out and hit the three. Everything you want in a modern big man can anchor the defense, but he's not your second guy. Marcus Smart is not your second guy as well. You mentioned Gordon. We're not going to expect that. I mean, I, I go back, uh, and this has been said, I mean, remember when Paul George came back from his uh, gruesome uh, compound fracture, he was not the same player in year one, right? You know, he missed an entire season. Not even like, year.
1: Not even year two, really. I mean, it's really
2: hundred percent, Ethan. Right. the I, I, The blowup
1: has agree. come now. Like, like I, I wonder yes. if Paul George would have gotten here two and a half years ago if that doesn't happen. Like, I think he, he does. does I, I think
2: that that's a hundred percent. I think we're seeing. It where he was that summer of that injury what was it, 2014 that that that's where he, it's five years down the road really uh is what it is so I'm with you that we would have seen this in 2016 17 17 18 uh at the very least and so we're not going to get that from Gordon so that's why I go that it, it, it's Jason Tatum but I do think there's I, I you know I, I'm not in LA as much uh this season around LeBron. So I can't speak to the divide between younger guys and older guys, but it's clear in Boston, based Mm -hmm. on some of Kyrie's comments, that there is a divide between the veterans and the younger players. And I can certainly see it as well. Kyrie comes in, With with the attitude of, hey, I want to be, in essence, I want to be the guy LeBron was. I want to go and be the guy on a team and take them to the NBA Finals and and try to win a championship. But you have these young guys, Ethan, and I can understand this, Is like, hey, hold on here. Last year with, you know, and obviously Kyrie played, you know, 60 games during the regular season. But in the playoffs, those younger guys said, hey, we got to the, we were within one quarter and we had a bad offensive night against Cleveland from getting in a game seven at home from getting to the NBA finals mm. you know we, we they probably feel they have a really good idea of what it takes to get to the NBA finals as well and so I see that divide and I'm not going to get too wrapped up in last night's or the Golden State victory I, I've done that too many times with Boston this year I, I've seen stretches <laughs> of them play well and I'm like this is the moment they've turned it around and, you know, they're playing with joy and all of a sudden that, you know, joy disappears. So I think there's a divide there. And I just don't know if they can overcome it uh, this season, Ethan, to be honest. I mean, you know, how many times have you talked to an NBA coach or assistant or a front office executive, you know, by this point in the year, you are who you are. Right. Uh, sometimes you figure that out within the first, you know, 35 games of the season and what kind of team you're going to be. And so, the ups and downs of Boston is probably who they're going to be until they prove otherwise. And to me, Ethan, that would be finishing out this stretch of, you know, I don't know what we are, 20 games left or whatever it is, of going like 15 and five. Right. Uh, and not even 12 and eight. I'm talking 15 and five. And then I would say, all right, maybe there is a little bit of difference here, but, you know, going back, I would like to see it be Jason Tatum. And let me say this there is a lot of talent on that team. And, and I love what Brad Stevens does as a coach. I, I, you, you were around a lot uh, during that, you know, Cleveland's first playoff series mm-hmm. um, against Boston that year. I mean, Brad does some great things. I would talk to Mike Miller off to the side, and, you know, it, he spent that year in Cleveland, and he's like, man, Brad does a great job. But Brad is also now doing it with expectations, right. with lots of different egos and, you know, mindsets on that team, and it becomes a little bit more difficult.
1: Well, it it reminds me of, you know, when I always used to uh, talk to people about Spo, and and one of the things that always came up was, you know, that most people around the league thought that, that, you know, the toughest job was when he had the most talent, like, you know, and, and I would argue that his toughest job has actually been this year because of what, Riley gave him but but like if you look at you know those four years it's the managing of expectations the managing of egos i mean eric used to tell me that 75% of his job was managing egos and the Celtics team i think is even harder to manage than those big 3 heat teams because like you said i mean you've got a group that felt they established themselves last year and then it's oh kyrie's back hayward's got to be worked in what do we do with us and that has that has seemed challenging you also mentioned kyrie one of the fascinating things to me is that you know? Guys always resist the tutelage of somebody else until they go somewhere else. So, so, so you had so you had LeBron resisting Spolstra and then sounding like Spolstra when he went to Cleveland, and now you have Kyrie <laughs> resisting LeBron. He sounds like LeBron, but he goes. To Boston. It, it just it always it always kind of repeats itself. I want to get I want to get back to. Hey, Ethan,
2: if I could, you know, if I could just piggyback what you said, which was really great point. Also, in Miami, there was a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. of LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. Yes. And I don't think that hierarchy has been quite established for some of the reasons. But but a lot of that Boston.
1: was Dwayne. But see, a lot of that was because Dwayne allowed that. And, and sure. so yep. so, and, and if you remember the first year, I mean, it seems cartoonish in retrospect but if you remember for the first like three quarters of that season Dwayne and LeBron did every interview together like
2: yes, I do remember that right
1: yep. I mean even on the practice floor like not just the podium like it was one of these uncomfortable situations where you'd be sitting there you know talking to one guy who's six eight one guy who's six three and a half sorry Dwayne um but <laughs> and you'd be talking to the two of them and you know you'd be interviewing one about the other while the other was standing there because there was this perception that you didn't want to be split apart. And I always felt bad for Chris, who honestly, you know, I love dealing with LeBron and with Dwayne. Obviously I have a relationship with, with both of them, but Chris was sort of everybody's favorite interview. Right. And like, but Chris was always third. Like he was third. You're right. There was a hierarchy. Um, And and in in Boston, it feels like, okay, it's Kyrie and we don't even know if he's going to be there next year. And then it's, and then it's everybody else. And the kids who we think are going to be there unless Danny Ainge gets the itch for Anthony Davis. It's just, it's a, it's a weird situation, but I do think it has exposed some things with Brad. Like, like you, I've talked to a lot of players, LeBron and Dwayne love Brad Stevens, used to talk him up all the time, but it is different when you have expectations and you have guys who want minutes than it is when you're coaching up Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder to heights they've never reached before. It, it's a different, it's a different job. And I feel like he and Spo have kind of changed places and it's interesting to see how they both played out before we get back to the playoffs. So I do, I can't let you go without asking you about the heat because you were, yeah. you were down here for four years um, quite a bit uh, during the big three era. Cause you were kind of covering the Eastern conference for USA today while Sam was out out West a lot. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, we're now five years out from LeBron or almost, and the heater, You know, right now we're trying to talk up a big game tonight against Charlotte, you know, for the eighth spot when both teams are under 500. If you were the Heat, if you were Pat Riley, if you were Mickey Arison above Pat Riley, how do you course correct here?
2: I look at that roster and I look at some of the salaries. And to me, and you guys know this better than I do, but the course correct doesn't start until after next season unless somehow you're able to shed some of the salaries that the Heat have for 2019-20. That that that's the only way I, I can look at it. Uh, you know, the, the white side contract is one of them with uh, the Ryan Anderson deal is, is one of them. Uh, the Dragic deal. W- once those start to come off the books and I'm not ready to give up on, uh, you know, the idea that Pat Riley is finished as an architect of teams. Uh, I am nowhere near that point. I will say that one of the other teams that, you know, has been, well, all right, Ethan, let, let's take a look at all the teams, you know, in sort of the modern salary cap era of the past 20 years uh, for a variety of reasons, who has managed it fairly well, had success. San Antonio, mm-hmm. Miami, Dallas. Uh, I, I guess we'll throw in the Lakers, but they have the the, the deepest pockets uh, to spend as well. And, I, you know, I, I'm talking about some of their titles. Uh, you know, with Kobe, with Shaq, and then with uh, Kobe and Paul Gasol. Those teams at various points have struggled mm-hmm. after their championship years. Dallas is really – I mean, Ethan, how about that 2011 championship right. that Dallas won? They've they have really struggled since then. And I don't think, you know, people think all of a sudden Mark Cuban is a horrible owner in terms of the basketball side of things, that Donnie Nelson is all of a sudden a horrible GM there are just some things that happen that are a little bit harder to predict. Uh, and so Miami made a couple mistakes in signing some free agents. Uh, but that's the course correct. Uh, when I look at it, when some of those big deals come off the books, because when you listen and see some of the free agents that are attracted to Miami, it's still a destination, uh, for a handful of reasons. Uh, the way the, the culture that is there that ownership in the front office have of established Pat Riley and then you know Eric Spolstra as a basketball coach and, and so I, I'm not really, again not willing to give up and say that the Heat uh, can't make another run at it when they get to the free agency but th- that seems a long way off when we're sitting here talking well, today.
1: Well yeah the, the problem Jeff is that the guys want to come here and, and as you know I know Winhorse has talked to a lot of people around the league about this like they want to come here and they can't I mean, I mean the, the Heat basically I mean Riley tied his hands behind his back you know for no good reason really and that i think that's what's frustrating it's not it's not that we think that the organization is hopeless i mean they are the premier organization in this town it's just like why would you do this to yourself like i you know we're we're talking you know i was talking the other day in the locker room to ryan anderson who if you if anybody's met ryan he's one of the nicest guys in the league and great guy great great guy and he's not going to be here long okay obviously that was that was you know to get rid of tyler's contract and and try to you know they had to give up wayne to do it but but ryan is just like was going on for five minutes about the heat family fest he's like i've never experienced an event like that he's like usually guys they go these things are trying to get out of there in five minutes he's like this was two hours we get all the food in miami we had you know we we had a big steak everybody's dancing he's like this is he's like is this he's like has it been like this i said he says because we hear about this i said it's been like this for 25 years i mean this is when the heat does something they do it right Except for the contracts of 16 and 17. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, which is why he's here, actually, because of those contracts. And one of those was Tyler Johnson. And they had, right. Tyler's a good player, and they had to get rid of him because of the money.
2: All right, Ethan. So that is a, another issue that is not specific to the Miami Heat. And we could talk on this for a long time. And no one cares about collective bargaining and salary cap machinations or anything like that. What a horrible summer, Ethan. Yep. Uh, for lots of teams, when yep. it comes to either the Nick Batum deal, the Timothy Mozgov deal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm missing uh, a bunch what, of b- the Joaquin uh, yep. Noah's deal. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there were lots of horrible deals uh, that summer. Jan uh which <laughs> right. the Wizards are, are still paying um, on that one. it the rise of the salary cap that summer and teams, you know, feeling that they, and they did, they need to spend 90% of the salary cap. And, and so mm-hmm. teams weren't doing anything necessarily, you know, stupid, but it, it, the, the, the way the salary cap worked that year forced some teams to do some deals that they ultimately didn't want to do. And, and teams are still paying for it ultimately right. is, is what's happened.
1: Well, that, that's true. And I, I think here's my thing about it. I'm with you on that. The Heat, we're not the only team. But they're never one of the teams that does that. So, yeah. so to me, what, what was so odd about it was that, okay, you make a decision in 2016. Like, what if they had just signed Dwayne? Like, the, the whole thing in 2016 was, well, you don't want to tie it up for three years, right? You want to be flexible. So you end up getting in a fight for the second straight summer with your franchise icon to the point that he leaves over really no more money. Like, he, he, ba- he went to Chicago. He paid more taxes. So he, he goes to a place. I saw him the day before he left. Okay, at one of his camps. He looked miserable. He didn't want to leave Miami. And so <laughs> right. he he, yeah. he was hurt. Okay. He was hurt because Pat never connected with him because pat had gotten out of the room the year before when you know the late henry thomas may rest in peace that he and pat couldn't really work anything out so the arison stepped in and so that next year it's like it just it was like oh this is happening again i mean i was communicating with Dwayne during a lot of it and he was incredibly frustrated by the way it played out and you look back at it so you're like okay so Dwayne leaves and it's a disaster but at least you did the right thing after it by signing you know a dion to one year at 2.7 a james johnson to one year at 5 million right bring in a Luke Babbitt on a cheap trade, right? You know, the thing, Wayne Ellington on, on a one-year deal. So you do those smart things. Then Mickey decides to match the Tyler Johnson contract, which was a disaster. Not because yeah. Tyler's a bad player, but he's not that. Nope. And then, it, it, then- it's a lot of money. It's a, it's a lot of money, right? It's uh, Tyler's a good guy and a good player, but it, it is what it is. He's, an, he's a 7th grade.
2: I'm also going to say real quick, I'm never against anyone grabbing the bag. Uh, right. Uh, oh, it, no, 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 no. Not his fault. It includes you, right. includes me, uh, anyone. Like, you know, go make your money.
1: Right, right, because, right, like, get it before they get you, right? So that's the whole, and, and for Tyler, it's terrific, and maybe he could have restructured the deal, whatever. But, okay, so putting the Tyler deal aside, acknowledging that Whiteside was an asset at the time, and you didn't want to lose, and Dallas and Portland were going to pay him, even though you knew the issues there. But to compound it in 2017, see, 2016 the Wade thing, I was against what they did, but like, at least they signed the one-year deals. But what we don't understand as a network, okay, it's not just me, is is why in 2017 they just didn't do the same thing that they did in 16, which is, so so let James Johnson walk, let Deion Waiters walk, okay, and and sign Tyreek Evans for one season, sign Jeff Green for whatever, okay, let Spo coach him up, try to get the 43 wins, roll it over into the next year. That's what I think as Heat we don't understand because this is a smart front office. And and so Pat's never really explained that. Like so that that's I think that's why I think there's a frustration uh, from Heat fans, but I do want to pivot real quick before we close. Um, so uh, we we mentioned LeBron early on. It doesn't appear he's going to be in the playoffs. I'm curious to see if he still locks down his Twitter for the entire playoffs because we know he usually <laughs> goes zero dark twenty three or it was zero dark six with the Heat. He can't do. I, I guess he'll be tweeting about the playoffs, or I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. Um, I guess we'll have to ask. I'll have to ask some people close to him. I'll
2: give Adam a call about that. Uh, well, it'd be funny, Ethan, uh, to bring him in as a uh, ESPN uh, studio guest. Oh. Oh my! could you imagine that could you imagine that Can you imagine it?
1: Okay, well better yet put him on undisputed or something like that let him go at it let him go at it with those guys uh, if that show still exists but so yeah so let let me ask you this one question to close who is the star this time who is going to be the lebron of this playoffs is it Giannis? is it curry who hasn't really ever sustained it through an entire postseason is it durant on the way out the door is it Kawhi? Embiid Kyrie who, who is going to be uh,
2: Ethan, I, I just look at it I love Curry's game don't go get me wrong there it's somewhere down the road uh, and I don't know if it'll happen he probably deserves a finals MVP somehow even if it's a uh a lifetime achievement award at some point and they give him one uh I think it's going to be Kevin Durant. I think he's, you know, if you are arguing that LeBron is the best player in the world, uh, and he certainly hasn't had his best season, but the past couple of years where we've talked about the next best player, it's been Kevin Durant. Uh, There are so many times in the playoffs where I don't think Kevin Durant misses a shot or during the finals, I'm like, man, does Kevin Durant ever miss a shot or certainly When Golden State needs a shot, Kevin Durant seems to make one. And so that's what I'm going to roll with. I I do think Harden will be fun to watch, especially if he can put up some numbers. But if Golden State gets to the finals and, you know, they they beat some team in a long Western Conference series, I just think it's going to be Durant who they rely on and, and get the ball to when they need a bucket.
1: And then he's a clipper next year or he's a net or he's a Nick a
2: clipper, a net or a Nick. It's a, it's a great question. Uh, I, the, the, the best I could say right now is I don't think he's a warrior right. and I understand it. Ethan, just real quick on that point, he wins three consecutive titles. He left Oklahoma city. He, to get his championships and now he could sort of do that and, and try to go do it elsewhere uh, with some other people he wants to, you know, join up with and, and try to build a championship there. So I don't think it's going to be the warriors.
1: All right. Um, I'm hoping that the breakout player is Giannis just because I, I love everything about that guy. I, I don't would be know. Fun. It would be fun. I just and I, and I love the fact that Milwaukee, which can be a great basketball city, uh, w- would get on that stage. But I and the new arena and the new ownership and everything else that they've done. And, and I think Bud's done a great job. I just don't think they have enough. I, I think I think I like I, I love Chris Middleton as your third guy. I, I don't know if he's a two and I, I don't.
2: It, it's tough. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I I don't know if, if Brooke Lopez uh, you know, I, my concern about Brooke Lopez is can he be schemed off the floor a little in the postseason, And then if you don't have him, I think a lot of what's made them effective is his spacing off of Giannis. And so I, it's go, It's going to be interesting, but I, I think I, I would like it to be honest. I think it's going to be hardened. I, I just, I, the way, and I hate watching him. I, I just, I, yeah. that to everybody, but like, I just think we're, we're witnessing something where he's figured it out. Like he, he knows how to get his points on a given night, whether it's falling down or step travel, step back, whatever it is, he's going to get his numbers. And I think they've got a formula now where they know it's all him. And sometimes there's clarity. Like we talk about Boston and Philly, like there's no clarity. Like in Houston, there's clarity. It's just like, okay, CP is going to take over when, for the few minutes that Harden needs a break. And that's it. Like, cause there's, there's nothing else going on there. Um, and I, I feel like sometimes clarity is helpful to teams. And I, I don't know that Boston Philly have it. I think Milwaukee does, but I don't think there's enough. I think Toronto to me, there's still something missing there. I, I don't know. I, I, I can see them getting to the finals, but I'm not going to call it. And I don't think Denver's ready. And I, I don't, I love what Paul George has done, but I don't think it's OKC. So, uh, to me, I, I think it might be Harden. And, look, they had Golden State beat a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, And, and I, you know, my co-host has picked them all year, and I, I've been against it. But the way I've watched them lately, I think it's possible. So, we'll see what happens. But definitely follow his work. Jeff Stilgett, USA Today. Really, really appreciate the time, and I hope I get to see you again soon,
2: Jeff. That sounds perfect, Ethan. Have a good one.